Numbers chapter 9. I'm going to do Numbers chapter 9, verse 15, and we're going to go all the way through um, the end of chapter 10. So, Numbers 9, 15 through 10, 36. I'm going to read it as I go this morning instead of reading it um, aloud at, at the beginning. So, we're going to read it as we get to it. So, let's pray, and then we will jump into Numbers chapter 9 and 10. Uh, let's pray together. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for um, the day when we will see Jesus Christ and we will be able to look Him in the face and we will be able to shout all glory to Jesus alone. It's going to be a good day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And until then, we pray, God, that You would help us to continue to grow in our understanding of Your Word in our desire and ability to obey Your Word, to love each other earnestly, to honor You, we pray that You would sink the, the Gospel deep into us in a, in a transforming way. That You would even do that this morning as we gather around Your Word. Thank You for Your grace. In Christ's name, Amen. Alright. So most of you probably have been on family road trips. We could share stories. You've probably been on some interesting family road trips. Um, and, and, and in my family, I, I know that if, that if my wife and I and our six kids... If we're going to have a family road trip, and that's going to be a good road trip, we've got to do it right. Now, we've never done it right, but we know we're getting closer. Like, we're, we're, we're starting to figure out, um, like, optimal procedure. If we're going to have a good family road trip. I mean, certain kids can't sit next to other kids. If you're in that road trip for a while, you're in that van for a while, it's good to just give some space between, you know, a couple of, you know, so it's just good. Um, we got to make sure, you know, these are the simple things, like you got to make sure you got enough gas, because I haven't always done that. Um, you got to make sure the tire is inflated, I haven't always done that. Um, you got to make sure that everyone has the necessary toys and snacks, uh, that's important. Um, you got to have enough adventures and odyssey episodes for every minute of the journey. Like you can't have any pauses in there, you got to just keep plugging those adventures and odyssey episodes. You got to do it right. Same way with the Christian life. The New Testament is clear. Uh, the Christian life is a journey. We are, we are on a great big family road trip. We are a family and we are, we are headed for, Hebrews says, we are headed for a city whose founder and designer and builder and maker is God. We're sojourners. We're pilgrims. This is a road trip. This is not our home. We're passing through. So we have to think of the Christian life as a journey and we have to think about it the way the Bible would have us to think about it. This, this passage here, Numbers 9, 15 through 10, 36, for one thing, this is the, this is the last of like the good passages. So if you, if you want like an encouraging, like an encouraging sermon, this is the last one. I mean, things, things get ugly starting in chapter 11. But, but here we have a good example. We have a good model for what it means. As the, the people of Israel, they are setting out on their journey. They've been, they've been camped around Mount Sinai for a while. They've been getting their instructions. They've been getting their, their tabernacle in order. They've been, they've been getting their, their priests and their Levites good to go. So they've, they've got their tabernacle stocked and they've got all their laws. And now they're ready to set out on their journey. And they're going to show us in these verses today how to travel. Christian life, the great big family road trip, and in these verses, 
the, the children of Israel are going to show us how to travel. We, got, we have five answers to that question this morning. Five, five ways that we should travel as Christians as we go through life. And I know, the last few weeks, I've only been doing like three points to every sermon. This one's got five. But you have to remember, the last few weeks, I've been able to preach twice, right? And so, and so I feel justified in just throwing on as many points as I want this morning. And you're just going to have to deal with it. All right, so, Christian life is a big family road trip. How do we travel? Number one, we travel with God. Starting in chapter 9, verse 15, we're going to see the presence of God with the people as this cloud covers the tabernacle. Listen to these verses. It says, On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony. And at evening, it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it, all, so it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent... After that, the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out, or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. When it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, um, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they, com- they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Alright, so this cloud that covers the tabernacle, this is the, the presence of God. This is the glory of God with His people. This is this clear indication that God is guiding them. He is with them. He is protecting them. He is providing for them. God is with His people. And they wouldn't go anywhere without Him. If the cloud stayed put, they were staying put. When the cloud moved, they moved. This Christian life is nothing if we are not with God. If we don't have God with us, we are, we are nowhere. And the wonderful thing about the New Testament is that it shows us over and over and over again that because of Jesus, God is with His People. Jesus is, one of Jesus' names, Emmanuel, means God is with us. He is the one who tabernacled among us, John chapter 1 says. He is the one who has brought us near to God. On the cross, Jesus erased any barrier that stood between us and God. He, he, and then Jesus has also given us His Spirit to live within us so that we cry out, Abba, Father. So we are brought near to God the Father. And he, he, the Spirit um, convicts us and encourages us and teaches us and sanctifies us and keeps us. Jesus Himself promised that He would always intercede on our behalf. He would always fight against any of Satan's lies or accusations. Jesus is... God with us. And because of Jesus, the triune God is with us and for us. And I know you're thinking, this is Christianity 101. Why are we freaking out about this? Because this is something that we absolutely 
Yes, it's baseline. Yes, it's basic. Yes, it is, it is, it is first grade stuff. It is essential that we, in our days, every one of our days, when we start our, our day and as we go through our days, we remember God is with us. Did you do that this morning? Did you remember? Did you wake up and remember God is with me? God of the universe. In control of everything. Everything is created for His glory. He is with me today. The Spirit that hovered over the water during creation is with me today. He is within me. He is keeping me. This is, this is the essential for the for the big family road trip, for the Christian life, to remember God is with us. And then number two, not only do we travel with God, we travel with a call to action. Now, we're, we're to chapter 10, right? We've, we've gotten through chapter 9. We're to chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through to verse 28. And I want you to listen for the beginning of this passage. It's going to, you're going to hear a lot about trumpets. The trumpets are going to blow and the people are going to get in line. And they're going to do what they need to do. The trumpets are going to be these calls to action. And in the last half of these, these verses, you're going to see as the people, they do what they're supposed to do. They, and again, cherish this because it's not going to happen again for a while. So, so enjoy this. But these verses here, the people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're intentionally, um, carefully obeying God. So listen, it says, chapter 10, verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets of hammered work. You shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregation and for breaking camp. And when both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the chiefs, the heads of the tribes of Israel, shall gather themselves to you. When you blow an alarm, the camps that are on the east side shall set out. And when you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that are on the south side shall set out. And an alarm is to be blown whenever they are to set out. But when the assembly is to be gathered together, you shall blow a long blast. But you shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the trumpets. The trumpets shall be to you for a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And when you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord your God and you shall be saved from your enemies. On the day, and we're going to get back to verse 10 in the next point of the sermon, but I'm going to read it here. On the day of your gladness also, and at your appointed feasts, and at the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before your God. I am the Lord your God. Water break. All right. Now, the next 18 verses are the people obeying. They're doing what they're supposed to do. In the second year, and this is it, the journey is starting here. They're setting out. In the second year, in the second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. The standard of the camp of the people of Judah set out first by their companies, and over the company was Nation, the son of Amminadab, and over the company of the tribe of the people of Issachar was Nathanael, the son of Zuar, and over the company of the tribe of the people of Zebulon was Eliab, the son of Helon, 
And when the tabernacle was taken down, the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merari who carried the tabernacle set out, and the standard of the camp of Reuben set out by their companies, and over their company was Elazar, the son of Shadur, and over the company of the tribe of the people of Simeon was Shalumiel, the son of Zerushaddai, and over the company of the tribe of the people of Gad was Eliasaph, the son of Geul, and then the, the Kohathites set out carrying the holy things, and the tabernacle was set up before their arrival, and the standard of the camp of the people of Ephraim set out by their companies. And over the company was Elishama, the son of Amahad. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Manasseh was Gamaliel, the son of Pedazar. I think that's how I said it last time, so I'm going to say it this time. I don't know. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Benjamin was Abidon, the son of Gideonai. Then the standard of the camp of the people of Dan, acting as the rear guard of all the camps, set out by their companies. And over their company was Ahazer, the son of Amishaddai. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Asher was Pagiel, the son of Akron. And over the company of the tribe of the people of Naphtali was Ahira, the son of Enan. This was the order of the march of the people of Israel by their companies when they set out. They were doing it exactly the way God wanted them to do it. Each of these tribes is headed out in exactly the right order, at exactly the right time, and they have all the stuff that they need. This is impossible, by the way. If you've ever taken a trip with a family anywhere ever, everybody heading out at the right time with all the stuff they need, it's never happened in my house. My mother, Mary Beth, I'm sorry, I love you, but my mother has a drawer in her house for the stuff that Bethy is going to leave when she visits. Like, the stuff that Bethy is going to forget and leave behind. Because we, we were packing up. We went and visited my mom um, a couple weeks ago. I have no idea. Time is so weird right now. But I think it was like a couple of weeks ago. We went and visited my mom. And I said, as, and so we're, we're gathering ourselves up in our normal fashion. And we're trying to have some semblance of order. And, and you know, at least, at least have all the kids with us, right? And, and most of our stuff. And Whatever, so we're getting ready to come back home, and we say, if you find anything, and my mom says, oh, I'll just put it in the drawer where I keep Bethy's stuff. And and so she's just kind of used to us leaving stuff behind. Organization is hard. Organization is hard. Because at first I read this, I read all about the clouds, and I was like, well, if they have the cloud, and they're just following the cloud, and they know when to go out, why do they need all these trumpets to keep them in line? Why do we need all of these, you know, why do we need this? Trumpets are great. Trumpets are great. They, 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 they help us to pay attention. Some people, I was never one of these, but some people say, oh, well, the, you know, we're getting ready. To, we're loading up the van. It's time to go to church. I'll, you know, get my socks and shoes on and grab my Bible. I'll go. Some people just kind of get it. Some people need a trumpet blasted in their ear. It's time to go. I remember um, I used to play the trumpet in high school. And like singing... I was not good, but I was loud. And so um, I, I just said, you know, I don't have, I can't play the right notes, but I can be loud. So that's what I brought to the table, and it was awful. And, uh, and I used to, what's even worse was I used to go up behind people. I'd, I'd carry my trumpet around the hallway of the school sometimes, and I would just blast it in their ears, stand up behind them about, about six inches away, and just blay it as loud as I could. Um, I know you can't believe I'd ever be that obnoxious, but I was. And uh, yeah, so first, first 38, 39 years of my life have not been good so far. But I'm thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this around pretty soon. But one time I, I, I did that. I, I blew the trumpet in this girl's ear. And the last time I ever did this, she turned around and smacked the bell of the trumpet right into my mouth. Um, and both lips were just bleeding. And I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to figure out other ways to get attention. From now on, um, i got to figure out something, something better than this. But trumpets are great. They're loud. They get your attention. They get your attention. They're calls to action. Yes, we've got the cloud, and we've got this person with trumpets keeping, keeping us in line. It is time to get going. And if you read through the New Testament, this is the same way it is for us as well. That we are traveling with calls to action. We're traveling with calls to action. I, I, I just flipped to 1 Peter when I was putting this sermon together. We could, have, we could have flipped to any book in the New Testament. They're all filled with calls to action. Following Jesus is not about passivity. It's about, it's about doing things. It's about being intentional. 1 Peter says, prepare your mind. 1 Peter says, don't be conformed to the world. Be holy as the one who called you is holy. Put away malice and deceit and envy. Arm yourself with Christ-like thinking. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Keep loving one another earnestly. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The Christian life is is action. You're not going to coast into holiness. You're not going to drift into discipleship. You're not going to roll over and, and kind of just roll over into life and, and then suddenly be a good person with good, sound, Christ-like thinking. It doesn't happen that way. The, the New Testament is clear. We, this is a call to action. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to get after it. You have to be intentional. We don't drift into holiness. And so the, the Word of God is wonderful because it has these trumpet blasts for us. One after another. Wake up! It's time to go! That's number two. Number three, we travel with a call to remember. Alright, so we travel with God. We travel with a call to action. And then we have to jump back now to chapter 10, verse 10. I want to read that verse again. And, and we have to see that we travel with a call to remember. Chapter 10, verse 10 says, On the day of your gladness also, and at your appointed feasts, and the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifice of your peace offerings. They shall be a reminder of you before, the, before your God. I am the Lord your God. So these trumpets not only served as calls to action, but they're, but they're like the, the, the reminders when we gather together and we, and we worship and we honor and we thank God. These, these, are, these trumpets are calls to remember. The Christian life is built on remembering. It's built on remembering. And in the Old Testament, they did this with, with offerings and feasts and festivals and celebrations. In the New Testament, we do this by gathering together or, or all by ourselves throughout our week. We remember Jesus paid for my sin on the cross because Jesus offered His life in my place to take away my guilt and my shame and the punishment for the, for the sin that I have committed, the punishment I deserve. I am I am forgiven of my sins. I am adopted into the family of God. I once was blind, but now I see. It has been grace that has carried me thus far, and grace will lead me home. In all of these small times... Alright, I'm going to try not to preach like a 40-minute sermon right here. I'm going to try to... But 
if I get carried away, you know, whatever, you didn't have to show up, and you did. All right? <laughs> All these small times are getting us ready for, for the big celebration. I, I love, and I didn't know I loved it. I didn't love it until this week. I didn't even see it because I, it takes me a while to see things. Uh, but I love the talk of clouds and trumpets in the book of Numbers. I love that Numbers chapter 9, chapter 10 are about clouds and trumpets. I remember Matthew 26. Do you remember when Jesus is standing in front of the high priest? This is right before he's going to be crucified. And the high priest and all of high priest cronies, uh, they are ticked off at Jesus. And they're looking and they're searching for, for some way to pin blasphemy on him. They want to end his life. They want to end him. They hate him. And so he's standing trial, and it's a, it's a sham of a trial. And the high priest says to Jesus, he says, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And I never saw this until this week. I saw half of it. I didn't see the other half. Jesus said to him, and this is what just ticks them off, Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power. And what does he say? And coming on the clouds of heaven. I used to think that this was blasphemy only because he called himself the Son of Man. That, that's why they thought this was blasphemy. They thought, oh, he's calling himself God because the Son of Man, that's a, that's, a, that's a term of deity in the book of Daniel. This is the Ancient of Days. This is the Son of Man. This is, um, this is God. This is somebody divine. And that's part of the reason they're mad, but then they also are mad because he's using here, intentionally using the book of Numbers language when he says, on the clouds of heaven. I am coming on the clouds of heaven. These are the clouds of glory. These are not puffy, you know, little fat angel baby clouds. These are, this is the cloud of glory. This is the cloud that covered the tabernacle. This is a double whammy for the high priest. He hates it. He tore his clothes and said, he has uttered blasphemy. And of course, this is terrible news for the high priest. They hate it. We love it, though. The idea of Jesus coming on the clouds, that's going to be a good day. Clouds and trumpets, does it remind you of 1 Thessalonians 4? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. The trumpets are done in the book of Numbers. We're going we're gonna to hear a trumpet again. Sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. There's a day coming when we will hear a trumpet. We will hear the trumpet of God. And we will gather with the Son of Man in the clouds of glory. That day is coming. Let's keep remembering that. With every small trumpet we have here until then, with every small gathering we have here until then, with every small time where we just sit alone and we remember that, that Jesus in His amazing grace has saved us and has brought us into the family and one day we are going to be with Him forever. 
Encourage one another with these words. So, the Christian life means traveling with God. It means traveling with calls to action. It means traveling with calls to remember. And then number four, we travel with our eyes fixed on heaven. All this talk of Jesus coming for us, all this talk of clouds and trumpets, we transition right into traveling with our eyes fixed on heaven. Chapter 10, verses 29 through 32 say, And Moses said to Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite. And by the way, um, Colin wouldn't tell me the name of the boy, like the, the new baby boy, Bodhi. And, but I think that if he would have seen this Hobab before, I think he'd be like, yeah, okay, see, we need to name this kid Hobab. Um, yeah. Anyhow, just, just too late, though, that's all. All right. Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are, Moses says to him, we are setting out, <laughs> I love this, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do good to you, for the Lord has promised good to Israel. Which means, um, the Lord, when we get to the promised land, the Lord is going to do good to us. You come with us and we'll do good to you. But he said to him, I will not go. I will depart to my own land and to my own kindred. And he said, please do not leave us, for, for you know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you will serve as eyes for us. Moses wants him to come along um, because he knows that Hobab knows the terrain, and he would be helpful as they travel through the wilderness. And if you do go with us, he says in verse 32, if you do go with us, whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. He, he's saying, Hobab, the promised land is going to be good. I love the way Moses describes, and we don't know if Hobab came with them or not. We don't, we don't know for sure, but I love the way Moses describes their journey. He says, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. This is what we are doing, church. Our Lord Jesus has said to us, I am preparing a place for you. This is what the Christian journey is. It is this constant understanding that we don't belong here. We belong somewhere much better. So if you're like me, you've, you've always, ever since you've become a Christian, you've always been low-key homesick. You've always been restless and dissatisfied. You've always felt a little bit out of place. Because you are. You're not home. You don't belong here. And so the Christian life, it's, it's, it's way better. It's way better for us if we just kind of own that. And when we are dissatisfied with this world and with what money can buy and with the, the joy of our experiences and with the memories we make and, and with the, the new house that we have and with the career advancement, when we're dissatisfied with that, which we absolutely will be, when we're dissatisfied with that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because if you think that filling your life with more of that stuff is going gonna, is gonna to make that homesickness go away, make that restlessness go away, if you think you can somehow make the homesickness go away by stuffing more dissatisfying stuff into you, it's not going to work. And so this helps us to fight against sin. If I know going in that all the pleasure in the world is never going to satisfy me, that helps me fight against lust. If, if I know that everything that I could possibly buy with all the money in the world is never going to satisfy me, that helps me to fight against greed and envy and jealousy. 
If I know that no, I, whatever accolades or praise I might get in this world, and you know, 98% of it is false, you know, but I, whatever I get in this world, it's never going to satisfy me. That helps me to fight against arrogance, self-righteousness, bragging, doesn't it? If we know going in, we're always going to feel a little bit like, I want something more. I'm, I'm on my way to something way better than this. That will help us to, to pour into our lives things of eternal value, things of eternal reward. It's good for us to remember we're not home yet. We are on our way to a place where God Himself says, I will give it to you. Jesus, the, the most brilliant person ever, is designing our home. He is designing it for us by His grace. We will be happy there. We'll be a lot happier here if we know we're not home yet. So we travel with God. We travel with a call to action. We travel with a call to remember. We travel with our eyes fixed on heaven. And now the words you've been waiting for. And lastly, we travel with prayerful humility. We travel with prayerful humility. Chapter 10, verse 33 through 36 says, So they set out from the Mount of the Lord three days' journey. And the Ark of the Covenant went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day whenever they set out from the camp. And whenever the Ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. We travel with prayerful humility. As Moses gets ready to set out every single time, he says, Arise, O Lord, which doesn't mean, Wake up, God, wake up, wake up, six o'clock. No, it's not saying that. It's saying, Arise, O Lord, which means, Show your might, O God. Show your strength, O God. Watch over us, protect us, win our battles, O God. Defeat your enemies, O God. It is Moses' way of saying, yes, absolutely, we are going to be, we, I mean, we are going to be intentional. We are going to be careful to obey. We are going to, we are going to live like, like pilgrims, like sojourners. We are going to be on our way to a much better place. We, we, are, we are going to do all that we can do, God. Yes. Yes, we are going to take responsibility for all of our actions. We are going to get after it. But he's saying, if you don't, give us success. If you don't give us victory, if you don't do it, it won't get done. This is the same way in our life, isn't it? I've said this many times and I'll, and I'll keep saying it because it's just so good for me at least to remember it. If, if Anything that I want to see happen as a, as a husband, as a pastor, as a father, as a friend, as a disciple maker... Anything that I want to see happen is going to take, yes, it's going to take blood, sweat, and tears on my part. Yes, yes, I'm going to have to be intentional. Yes, I'm going to have to listen to the calls of action. But, but if there's going to be any success, any fruit, any victory whatsoever, God is going to have to do it. God is going to have to arise and win victory after victory after victory. We are utterly dependent upon the grace of God. We are utterly dependent upon God. 
So this is how Christians travel. We travel knowing that we are utterly dependent upon the grace of God. So, so we thank Him that He is present with us. We obey His calls to action that we find in His Word. We pause and remember His goodness to us. We keep our eyes fixed on heaven and we move forward with prayerful humility. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for our time in it this morning. Pray that You would stick it deep into our hearts. That You would do work in our hearts through Your truth this morning, by Your Spirit. I pray that if there's anybody here who's never believed the Gospel, they, they, they just, they've never believed the Gospel, They're, they don't long for the day when Jesus comes back. They're not sure about all that. They're not sure what that's going to hold for them. I pray that today, God, they would believe the Gospel. That they would, they would believe that, that Jesus has paid for the sins that they have committed. He paid for them on the cross. And that there is, that there is final and full forgiveness through the mercy of Jesus. And that they would claim that for their own today. I pray that you would do that work in their hearts, and I pray that you would also do work in our hearts, God. Help us to remember that you are with us. Help us to, to remember that your word is full of calls to action. I pray that you'd help us to, to remember, to stop and remember all of your grace to us, that we would keep our eyes fixed on heaven, and that we would travel with, with dependence, prayerful humility. Pray that you would you would help us, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.